Do you ever wish you could trade your skill in athletic training for something you've always wanted to do? Perhaps travel the world? Today, we're talking about just that. Proactive is a unique, state-of-the-art performance institute that integrates unparalleled sports performance training with rehabilitative services in a single facility. Their two facilities in Southern California provide a professional, innovative, and friendly training environment that is designed to meet the diversity of performance needs. Proactive's methods have been featured on ESPN, CNN, HBO, Fox Sports, ABC, and in Men's Health Magazine. Visit ProactiveSP.com for more information and get started today. Trusted by the most respected physical therapists, athletic trainers, and orthopedic surgeons, AthletesMobility.com is the go-to place to find fitness products that are designed to help athletes move better, feel better, and recover better. Performing at your peak can be obtained without injury with the correct products and knowledge. Why wait for the injury to happen when you can prevent it? Visit athletesmobility.com for more information. Hello, and thank you for joining me on the Business Advantage. I am Alicia M. Pennington, your host, and today we are talking about travel. Before I go any further, I've got to give a quick disclaimer here. I am a business owner and athletic trainer. I am not a lawyer or any other specialized type of professional outside of athletic training. So in listening to this podcast, just keep that in mind. And without further ado, we'll jump right in. I want to start out by talking about the opportunities that are available to athletic trainers in traveling. So when I say travel, I don't necessarily want you to think about going on a road trip with your high school or collegiate team. What we're talking about here today is more international travel traveling as an independent contractor, working with teams that you're just contracted in for, not necessarily a team or an organization that you're with full time that you're doing traveling with. So then what are some of the opportunities available to athletic trainers to do this type of travel? One of the primary organizations that come to mind for me and that I have travel experience with is USA Olympic level athletics. A lot of people think that this is kind of a territory that's um, you know difficult to get into or uh, takes an entire career to permeate. But the USOC, the US Olympic Training Center or the US Olympic Committee, has actually decreased the requirements for a sports medicine professional to get involved with their athletics. And so if you may had previously thought that working at the USA level was extremely difficult to get into, um, I'll give you some tips at the end of the podcast of how to permeate those areas. And that also includes Paralympic athletes who also travel and compete on Uh, national and international stages and at the Olympics, just like all able-bodied athletes. That is a fantastic area for athletic trainers to get into. So aside from organizations, what other opportunities are out there? Well, I think the obvious one is that it allows us the opportunity to travel the world and to experience other cultures in exchange for what we're doing as athletic trainers. Majority of the positions, especially those at the Olympic level, are typically on a volunteer basis in the sense that you're not necessarily going to receive a stipend or compensation for the time that you're there. However, all travel is paid for. And uh, that typically includes meals, and you'll you'll sometimes get a stipend for travel days to help uh, compensate um, the money that you would pay at the airport and stuff like that. Um, but it's it's just overall 
a very unique experience for athletic trainers and other sports medicine professionals. Outside of the opportunities that are available, what really goes into traveling with a team, especially when you're on that contractual basis where essentially um, you arrive when the team arrives, maybe you'll see them one or two days before uh, the flight or the trip that you're leaving on. You're basically their sports medicine provider for the duration of the trip. And then you come home and you go back to your normal job. So what is entailed with this? I think that, uh, you know, with anything that we do, especially as medical providers, preparation is key. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And absolutely, um, in any traveling experience that you're going to take, whether it's for a vacation or it's professional or business related, we always have to prepare. So some things that I've found, I've found particularly useful in my own experience traveling internationally are this. Um, so understanding the political and the socioeconomic status of where you're going is going to change a lot in how you experience that travel. Knowing a little bit about our U.S. history um, and the impact that we've had on various countries around the world and perhaps the view that uh, the country that you're traveling to may have of Americans is really, really important. Um, in my own experience, I've had a myriad of um, kind of different responses from the countries that I've traveled to. Some of them are in absolute awe of America and Americans, and um, others are sort of nonchalant and uh, don't necessarily not care, but aren't interested either. Whereas other countries uh, kind of hold a grudge against Americans. So understanding that dynamic prior to traveling in I think helps at least mentally and probably even emotionally a little bit prepare for what you're going to experience what once you get there. Um, the socioeconomic status is also important, um, especially when you think about things like the food and the water, uh, which I'll get into a little bit more. Um, but understanding what uh, resources and industrial level that the country you're traveling to has available is going to be very important. Um, you know, and, and kind of going back to that kind of U.S. history idea, I think educating yourself on um, what the U.S. may or may not have done to that country and just starting to get a general cultural awareness of where you're going to is, is going to pay dividends once you arrive. Um, and kind of on that same note, uh, if the country that you're traveling to has a foreign language, um, especially one that maybe you're not familiar with, uh, you know, so here in America, we're, um, you know, somewhat familiar with Spanish or French or maybe Portuguese or um, maybe even German or Italian. Um, but let's say you're traveling to China um, and maybe Chinese is something that one is difficult to read because they have characters instead of uh, you know, the English alphabet that we're used to, but it's also a language that doesn't sound anything like English. Um, if in advance you can learn a few key phrases, um, thank you goes a long way. Uh, hello, where's the bathroom? You know, things like that, that uh, you could anticipate needing to know information about would be tremendously helpful um, in your preparation for traveling. Um, one of the, uh, other two of the other things that I, I always think about in traveling, um, one taking probiotics. Uh, one thing that I've experienced is that when you get to another country, um, they, they tend to just cook food differently or have different types of food that 
the our digestive systems aren't necessarily used to and perhaps enzymes that we haven't developed as strongly. So taking probiotics in anticipation of a trip uh, is tremendously helpful. Um, and then the other thing with traveling, uh, and this kind of goes universally, uh, is just having cash on hand. Um, the worst thing that can happen is you, you know, are in a foreign country traveling, um, either at the airport or once you arrive and your credit card is denied or isn't accepted. Um, and I'll, I'll give some tips and tricks at the end of the podcast about how to get around that kind of stuff. But I definitely think that cash is a valuable asset uh, when you're in those kinds of binds. Okay, so then what are some things that we can do before leaving on a trip in um, preparing ourselves for the work with the athletes? I think the biggest one here is documentation. So again, keep in mind, if you're an athletic trainer who is being contracted in for this single event or this single trip, this isn't a team that you're working with on a regular basis, documentation is going to be huge, uh, especially from a liability perspective. This is something that uh, you know, you're definitely going to want to be able to look at prior documentation if there is any. Uh, in an ideal world, there's an EMR or an EHR, uh, electronic health slash medical record that you can access. Um, and then also something for you to look into to see uh, their PPEs or um, you know just any medications they may be on, allergies, things along those lines that you can start to mentally prepare yourself for in anticipation of the trip. Um, so in the event that there's not an EMR, I would definitely recommend trying to get your hands on those PPEs. Some teams have maybe a manager or a parent um, who helps collect paperwork in anticipation of these kinds of trips. Try to get in touch with them and see if you can get your hands on those as most organizations require athletes to have them prior to participating. And then, um, you know, if, if a list hasn't already been compiled, ask that same personnel to compile a list of allergies or medications um, or maybe ongoing issues that any of the athletes may have. That's something I would definitely recommend uh, taking with you. And, you know, if you see, for example, an asthmatic uh, athlete on there, prime time to ask the question, hey, do you have an inhaler? Make sure that you travel with your inhaler, you know, things along those lines. Um, if you're looking at having to go the paper route, I would recommend, um, again, if the organization doesn't already have this in place, having a version of your own type of injury report. So, you know, the typical stuff that um, we would write down, and this could be something as simple as a soap note, or uh, I'm sure that you can find several pre-made PDFs online that you could download and print out. In addition to that, I would do uh, an incident report, which is a little bit different from an injury report. Maybe you would use an incident report um, if there was some kind of interaction with a parent or with a coach or, um, you know, just kind of one of those situations that come up that don't necessarily fall in line for an injury, um, but should be uh, documented nonetheless. In addition to those, I would definitely recommend some type of contact or treatment log. So, uh, you know, those interactions that you have where it doesn't necessarily warrant an injury or an incident report, um, but you want to make sure that you're keeping documentation of uh, those hands-on experiences or those, um, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, triage evaluations that you're having with the, um, with the athletes. 
And then of course, um, a SCAT-3 or whatever it is that you use for your concussion evaluation, um, because those aren't available on an app anymore like the SCAT-2 was, having printed out versions of that SCAT-3 is really helpful. In addition to documentation to ask about prior to leaving, um, there's also specific questions that you should ask. So we've already discussed medical history, um, but another really important one is obtaining consent, especially if we're working with minors. Um, this is an area where, uh, you know, absolutely having it in writing, uh, consent to treat, uh, consent to care, um, you know, anything along those lines that while you're traveling, you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, am I allowed to do this or am I allowed to do that? as long as it's within your scope of practice. In addition to that, uh, some kind of emergency card that has um, the athlete's insurance, uh, emergency contacts, things along those lines. Um, in an ideal world, the organization would tr purchase traveler's insurance for the athletes that are going on the trip. Um, that's also something that I would uh, recommend for you as the medical provider. I'll get into that a little bit later. But definitely understanding and knowing the difference between traveling with minors and those over the age of 18, there's a huge distinguishment here. Um, I think that it would be in the best interest of the medical provider to put together a meeting or some type of informational get together with both parents and athletes prior to leaving. This is an opportunity for you to introduce yourself, give a little bit of uh, information and education about what it is that you do, and then also to discuss some of those situations that um, we've already talked about. So medical histories, um, and even if, if you're able to look ahead at what environment you're going to be traveling to. So, uh, for example, I was just in Jamaica a couple months ago during August. Um, so it was incredibly hot, incredibly sticky. Had I had the opportunity to meet with parents beforehand, I really would have stressed the importance of hydration and sending their child with extra electrolytes um, or having them assist me in educating their child about um, the elements that they're going to be going into. Just so that once you arrive, there's already this foundation of information that has been pre-established. So the first time they're hearing you need to drink a lot of water isn't day one of arrival. They're, they're already prepared for what they're going into. Um, and the other thing that I think would be valuable uh, to speak with parents about is to encourage them to give their children uh, medications to travel with. Um, this could be anything from having their uh, pediatrician or their family physician prescribe them some antibiotics in case we run into a traveler's diarrhea situation or like I talked about before with the probiotics, if just the enzymes in their gut are a little bit different. Um, but also over-the-counter stuff, Tylenols and ibuprofens, um, uh, anti-diarrheals, anything along those lines that is safe for a, um, you know, a teenager or preteen to either self-administer or administer under our direction so that it's one less thing that we have to be concerned with. Uh, documenting and monitoring and prescribing to minors while they're on the trip with us. So, you know, being able to have a, a meeting and to speak with adults and parents and uh, slash guardians prior to a trip, I think really can um, set a tone prior to leaving. Um, also, that way, if you are on the trip and you're calling home to mom or dad, having to say, hey, you know, little Sally slipped on the pool deck and busted her head open. Um, they kind of have uh, already 
somewhat of an established rapport. They have an understanding of who you are or um, that uh, you're able to um, kind of speak to them and they, they can kind of put a name to the face, which gives them a little bit more comfort and familiarity when you're calling from a foreign country, letting them know that their son or daughter has been injured. Another aspect of preparing to leave is looking over your supplies. In my experience, I feel that it's better to take a little bit of everything instead of a lot of a single thing. So starting with meds, uh, I would definitely encourage you to go to either WADA, uh, which is W-A-D-A, the World Anti-Doping Association website, and check out their standards. Also, um, they have an app that you can download. Uh, This allows you to type in either a generic name or the pharmaceutical name slash active ingredient of uh, a medication and look up what the uh, standards are. It's important for you to understand if the team that you're traveling with is uh, obligated under WADA standards. Um, That's something that you can ask prior to, to leaving. And if that's the case, I would really, really encourage you to get as up-to-date as possible on those standards. There's also USADA, which is the United States Anti-Doping Association. Uh, Depending on what level of team you're traveling with, they'll probably be um, governed under one of those two. So again, they have an app or uh, a website that you can go to that's uh, USADA, USADA, um, and, uh, you know, just check out what they have to say on there to educate yourself. Um, As I mentioned before, especially if you're going to a hot area, packing extra electrolytes are really helpful. Um, I've also found that uh, glucose tablets are helpful, especially when you're you're dealing with hot situations. And those um, I've found like at Walmart or Target or your local pharmacy um, in little travel packets. Um, definitely travel size stuff is going to be your best friend when you're going on these kinds of trips because like I said, when you're taking a little bit of everything, it's helpful to have smaller sample sizes uh, to, to travel with so that they're not taking up so much room in your luggage. I think that um, traveling with an anti-diarrheal is kind of commonplace. Uh, traveler's diarrhea is so prevalent that um, every single trip that I've traveled on with teams, at least somebody gets diarrhea. So would definitely recommend picking up a box or a, you know a bottle of that. Um, I think that it's uh, it's safe to travel with both an inhaler and an EpiPen if you can get your hands on one of those. Even if uh, your team or um, you know someone doesn't necessarily have asthma, sometimes having that um, albuterol or um, that epinephrine that you can. Um, administer in case of an emergency is really helpful. So, you know, would definitely recommend that. Um, Also, uh, like I said, researching the environment that you're going to be traveling to, um, like, let's say you're going to um, an area that has a lot of trees. So there's going to be a lot of pollen in the area. Perhaps you would take more antihistamines and allergy type medicines with you. Um, or if you're going to, um, you know, more humid type areas, taking bug spray. So just kind of starting to think about those things and, uh, the different environmental factors that are going to affect you while you're there. Um, The other thing I could recommend, if you can uh, get a physician's permission or if there is a physician that you work very closely with or if the organization has a physician that, um, you know, is, is their team or organization physician, I would do what you can to try to get antibiotics that you can travel with. Um, You know, maybe you don't administer them on your own. Maybe you, uh, you know, send an email or a text or a phone call to ask permission uh, to administer the antibiotics. But being able to travel with those to administer 
um, as opposed to having to find the local pharmacy, trying to get a prescription um, all while you're on the road is tremendously difficult. So if you do have um, someone that that trusts you, that, that you're willing to work with, that can get you a prescription for those that you can fill prior to leaving. Definitely highly, highly recommended. And the last thing I can say uh, in preparation of prior to leaving, it can be advantageous to, uh, you know, kind of Google map what the, um, where you're going to be staying, um, where the closest hospital or the closest urgent care is, um, and just try to familiarize yourself with the area. This is kind of from a, you know, sports psychology perspective. You can start to, um, you know, from an uh, imagery and and familiarization, start to prepare yourself for what you're going to be traveling into. Now moving on to once you've arrived at your location, Um, So starting with the hotel, do your best to identify what resources are available to you, namely um, like an uh, an ice machine or a microwave. Um, This is going to help you out tremendously with doing treatments at the hotel um, in addition to or as opposed to the athletic site. Um, May also be helpful to ask the front desk if they have a sharps container in case you find yourself using a scalpel or a lancet, um, you know, to dispose of that properly. Um, And then also if they have a biohazard area, uh, not an ideal situation to travel back on an airplane with those biohazard materials. So, um, you know, keep in mind that uh, other countries have different regulations than the states. So, they may not have the biohazard standards that we do, but uh, it's worth asking. Um, additionally, gathering a room list of the athletes uh, will go very far for you. Um, invariably, there will be a time where you need to get a hold of one of them or you know you need to tell them to do something. So um, having a list that each of the athletes is uh, staying in those rooms, uh, will will definitely pay dividends for you. Um, and the other thing to try to establish is your means of transportation. Um, so sometimes, you know, if you're with a bigger group, so if you're traveling with like a whole team, uh, there may be an assigned bus driver or an established means of transportation. Um, whereas if you're traveling, um, you know, with just a couple athletes, like in the case of, um, beach volleyball, uh, there may not be established transportation. It may just be, you know, catch a cab. Um, but those are good questions to ask, especially in the event of an emergency. Uh, if one of your athletes comes down with anaphylactic shock in the middle of the night, or there's some type of emergency that, um, you know, doesn't necessarily warrant, calling 911 or <laughs> I should say calling an ambulance because, um, 911 is, is an American thing. Um, so trying to determine how you're going to set up that, uh, transportation, hopefully you won't need it, but always good to know what, what it is in case you do need it. And then just trying to generally get a lay of the land. So where is your hotel um, in approximation to a pharmacy or to, um, you know, clean water or bottled water or, you know, just uh, local things that could be at your disposal, both from um, a personal perspective and a professional slash medical one. So, um, you know, starting to understand what are those social and um, cultural challenges that you may face? What are the language barriers that you might be up against? Um, what are the different environmental conditions that you're dealing with? Um, like I said, just trying to get a lay of the land and understanding how you are going to fit into the grand scheme of this trip. You know, and of course, there's just there's just that component of establishing a rapport. Again, if this is the first time you're traveling with a team, with these coaches, with other medical providers, uh, you know, take this opportunity to um, sit in on their discussions, go to the team meetings, uh, try to be a part of, um, you know, 
coaches meetings and things along those lines. Um, you know, try to inject yourself where you can to establish the fact that you are part of this team and that you do have a care for all of the things that are going on, just not not just necessarily the health and well-being of the athletes. The other thing that's that's really going to be valuable for uh, you know the traveling athletic trainer is introducing yourself and really getting to know the event organizers or the tournament directors. These people are going to be a valuable resource for you, both at the athletic site and away from it. Take a moment to introduce yourself, um, you know, make some small talk, say some nice things about their country, um, and just start to ask, you know, what resources are provided? Will there be um, water and some type of electrolyte replacement fluid set up? Will um, there be ice? Where to access these, um, you know, items so that in the event that you should need them, you know exactly where they're at. And then, you know, any other additional information that you may need, is there going to be a physician at this tournament? Um, If we need to, uh, you know, call an ambulance, how is that going to be administered? And, um, you know, all of those questions that you would ask for like an EAP or um, during that timeout that that we do before events, those are all really great uh, questions to ask during this time when you're meeting them um, and just start to establish yourself as that medical provider, um, you know, obviously in, in a respectful way. So, you know, just like when we're athletic trainers in the States, um, when we're traveling abroad, sometimes we're asked to do things and to contribute to the team in ways that don't necessarily um, fall under our uh, jurisdiction. Um, And one of those things may be purchasing groceries or helping with like food situations. So, um, you know, in an ideal situation, there is a team manager or like I said, some type of personnel. Um, If you're traveling with a small team of athletes, in the, um, you know, like for me, when I travel with USA Beach Volleyball, uh, those athletes kind of fend for themselves. Rarely are you asked to do thing- these things for them. But um, sometimes uh, you are asked to, um, you know, purchase groceries, in which case, again, think about those types of um, foods that we eat when we're having upset stomachs or um, just try to focus on more of the bland foods uh, like the brat diet, um, or else just like crackers and, and, um, things that are pretty easily digestible and that are familiar to our stomachs as Americans. Um, sometimes the, the fruits and vegetables, even those are a little bit different, uh, overseas as well. Um, you know, the, the water is a big situation. Um, so make sure that you're, you're, contributing in a way to assist in preventing any of those kind of general medical situations, but, you know, also kind of being a team player and uh, contributing where you can. The last thing I want to say in regards to, you know, kind of when you're on the trip and, um, you know, you're caring for the athletes is don't forget to take care of yourself. Um, Remind yourself that uh, this is an opportunity for you as well as for them. Um, You know, of course, the emphasis whenever you go on these trips is the athletic event and that that competition is of primary importance. But do your best to try to enjoy the country, um, go on an excursion or, um, you know, just just little um, outings as you can, you know, as time permits. Um, really try to immerse yourself in that experience. I think, at least for myself, sometimes I get so wrapped up in being the medical provider and, and having that responsibility that I forget to have fun. And so I, I really would want to encourage you to, you know, like set treatment parameters, have certain times that are, um, you know, when they can come see you and when they can't so that you have a cutoff time or that you have an idea of when your work hours are going to be. And then anything outside of that, you know, just try to, um, you know, enjoy your time while you're there. With that said, one thing to always keep in mind is that you are a representative of our country and that team that you're traveling with and the organization that that team 
uh, represents. So, um, you know, just remember that uh, you are American um, and that, you know, where you're at may or may not be the most tolerable to that fact. So, um, you know, just just being as polite and respectful as possible and uh, doing what you can to maybe change that image of, of what Americans are. And I, I think, you know, the last point I want to make here is another one of my favorite phrases uh, by the great Ken Revisa, who's a um, sports psychologist. And he says, um, control the controllables. I think this is so important when traveling because there's so many things that are outside of our hands that, uh, you know, we do want to try to control or we want to try to have input or um, some type of uh, influence on. But just kind of submitting to the process and allowing things to happen as they're going to and doing what you can to be supportive or, um, you know, helpful in that is, is going to go a long way. Okay, so now, um, you know, what about once you've arrived home from your trip, um, you know, you've had this extravagant experience and, uh, you know, you're now reveling in um, all that all that you took in. So what are some things that you as the medical provider can uh, follow up on? Um, one of the most important ones, I think, are home care instructions for any of the injuries that occurred for those athletes. Um, you know, in an ideal situation with an EMR or EHR, those can be written in there for the next medical provider to see. But if not, then um, this can be something that is either typed up or written out or, um, you know, somehow given to that athlete to, uh, you know, continue the rehabilitation or the care of whatever ailment or injury that they sustained while on the trip. Also, kind of along those same lines, uh, if you were traveling with minors, making sure that you follow up with the parents of those minors with the injuries. Um, if you are actually traveling with the team in a, you know, in an ideal situation, you would arrive at the airport and while you're waiting for your luggage to come out of baggage claim, that would be a perfect opportunity for you to, you know, walk up and, and speak with the parents and just kind of give them, um, you know, follow-up care instructions or that, you know, home care or, you know, uh, go see your local physician, whatever it is. And then of course, kind of follow finalizing all of your documentation from the trip. So just making sure that, um, you know, your injury reports are thorough and uh, finished up, um, making sure that you were able to document all of your interactions with the athletes. Probably a good idea to document those home care instructions or those conversations that you had once you arrived back home, um, you know, just as kind of a CYA but I, I think that, uh, you know, for me, what's always the most valuable thing to do after arriving home is um, kind of giving yourself a little bit of time and then reflecting on your experience. Sometimes it's hard to see the value of what you've just gone through immediately after returning. So give yourself, you know, it, probably a week or two, get settled back into your own routine um, and then kind of look back and, and do some reflection on, uh, you know, what that trip meant to you or, or what you learned as a practitioner or, um, you know, maybe things that you would do differently. So um, some things that I've taken notes on are uh, different supplies maybe that you would bring um, or maybe more or less of one supply or the other. I think, you know, as with anything in life, the more that we do it, the, the better experienced we are at it, uh, you know, the, the more proficient we become. So the more trips that you go on, the more athletes that you work with, uh, the more varied environments that you're placed in, you'll start to become more proficient in what supplies to bring and how best to prepare yourself for those events. Along those same lines, um, how would you prepare differently? Uh, maybe you start your probiotics earlier or, um, you know, maybe there's uh, a different, um, you know, route that you would take or, you know, something like that, something along those lines. You know, in, in writing this podcast, 
I looked and I looked back and reflected on um, my experiences of traveling, and I think that you do prepare a little bit differently for each trip that you go on, especially as how it applies to the athletes that you're going with. I've traveled with both teams that have minors and those that are adults, and it's a much different demand on the medical provider. So, um, you know, being able to look at those things and say, you know, how did I prepare well and what would I do differently going forward? And, and, you know, same idea, what did you do well that should be repeated? Um, maybe you found that having that informational meeting up front, uh, you know, really paid dividends for you, or um, maybe you weren't able to do that and you reflect and say, wow, you know, that would have really been helpful if I had done that previously. Um, so yeah, I think reflecting and taking some notes um, and and kind of letting yourself decompress after the trip. Um, th- those are really some some valuable tips that I can give after after having taken a couple international trips. Um, you know and then and then just to kind of savor and take in what it was that you experienced and you learned. I always enjoy. Uh, bringing back different um, authentic um, kind of tokens from the country. And it's cool to look at those uh, months later or years later and think about that, that trip that you took. Injury-free is a mobile, real-time injury documentation and reporting platform that allows athletic trainers to create an injury report, update symptoms, and document treatments from any mobile device. With HIPAA and FERPA compliance, it is the only platform to provide injury reporting and CDC concussion education training in the same system. Streamline communications, keep your athletic program in compliance, and minimize your administrative burden. Visit injurefree.com to schedule a live demo. I have a few tips and tricks for you that uh, may um, benefit you overall or just kind of um, you know help in little areas. So uh, one thing that I could recommend is trying to get a credit card that is meant for traveling. Uh, this would be an opportunity for you to accrue points and um, you know maybe try to uh, bank a little bit off of these traveling um, trips that you're going to be doing. So you know any type of card that uh, gives you cash back or points or you know any one of those um, that you could use while you're traveling as credit cards are typically a little bit safer to travel with than debit cards. Another one that I can recommend is trying to book your own flight or asking the um, organization or the provider that is booking the flight for you if you can apply your rewards numbers. Uh, Typically when um, these trips are booked, it's under your name um, and Sometimes it's it's a travel discount that they do with a group, but you know sometimes there is the opportunity for either you to book your own flight and then get reimbursed for it. In which case, obviously, you can apply your um, you know your rapid rewards or whatever rewards that you have. Um, or when you're submitting your information for travel, to include your rewards numbers on there. Um, or you know always worst case situ- situation. Uh, when you get back from your trip, like let's say you flew Delta, United, or American, whatever it is, um, you can log into your account and apply those that ticket's mileage towards it. So um, if you can't get it on the front end, probably an opportunity to get it on the back end, um, and and you know that that might help add up some points for you, get a free flight out of it at some point. Um, another thing, uh, that I've always been told and, um, again, applies kind of universally for travel, but try to, um, get a paper copy of your passport in your luggage. So make a photocopy of your passport prior to leaving, leave one of those at home, um, so that somebody in the States has a copy of your passport and then also keep a paper copy of it somewhere in your luggage. So 
in the event that you ever lose your passport or it gets stolen or something along those lines, when you go to the U.S. Embassy, you can actually prove that you are a citizen. Um, or worst case scenario, you can get in touch with somebody back home that can send you a picture of it. Just kind of safeguards to have in place in case you should need it. Um, Another great idea is to inform your bank when you're going to be traveling. Um, I have Wells Fargo. It's a pretty easy process where you just go online and submit your travel dates when, you know, the dates that you're going to be gone and then where you're going to be at. Um, That way you don't necessarily have your cards shut down, which like I was saying earlier in the podcast is a huge frustration. Um, but then, you know, of course, obviously having some cash with you and having that credit card is going to be valuable as well. Um, and lastly, seeing if the organization that you're traveling with, if they're already buying travel health insurance for their athletes, seeing if you can get in on that plan, it's usually really inexpensive to, um, you know, purchase travel health insurance. If they're not willing to get you in on the plan or they're not able to look into it for yourself, just Um, you know, Google travel health insurance. Uh, There's all types of providers that pop up. Um, Maybe even the, your current health insurance provider has that as a, as an option for you. Um, This just allows you that uh, when you're traveling, um, you know, most countries don't have uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield or Kaiser or United or, you know, whatever it is uh, that we have here in the state. So um, this allows you in case you should get sick or injured um, to be able to utilize the healthcare in that country without insurance. If you've never been involved with traveling with a team in ways that have been described here, and now after listening to this podcast, you're interested in getting involved, um, here's some things that I would recommend uh, in in how you're able to do that. So um, number one, I would say go ahead and get a passport. If you don't already have that available to you or in hand or in the process, uh, go ahead and get that started. I would hate for you to be able to, uh, you know, have an opportunity to travel and the passport is the thing that holds you up with, with the process and the length of time that those can potentially take to get, I would say that would probably be your first order of business, um, before you can start soliciting yourself as a, as a traveling athletic trainer. Um, secondly, I do think that being able to do these types of events requires a flexible work schedule. Uh, If you're an athletic trainer that kind of works in a more traditional setting at a school, perhaps you have summers available to you or sometime during, uh, you know, a spring break or a Christmas break. And those could be times where, again, you, you can solicit yourself to being that traveling athletic trainer. Otherwise, um, you know, kind of representing yourself as an individual contractor, as an independent contractor, um, as a, as a business entity of yourself is probably going to be, uh, you know, the best way that you can get a hold of these opportunities. And then, so, um, you know, the next question would be, well, where do you go to even start this? So, Uh, For the USA-level athletics, getting involved with uh, an NGB, so a national governing body, uh, is probably your best bet. Um, Each sport is its own NGB. So uh, I've worked with water polo. I've worked with beach volleyball. uh, I've traveled um, with with various other sports. So each one of them is going to kind of have their own setup and dynamic within it. Some of them are a little bit more hard-pressed to find medical providers, whereas other ones um, are flourishing with medical providers. So uh, if you're regionally located to uh, an NGB, um, I definitely know that uh, either the Southern California region where uh, the the Chula Vista Olympic Training Center is, and probably all the way up through the beach cities in LA, there's several NGBs that have teams 
that practiced there. Uh, the Colorado Springs Olympic Training Center is going to have probably the highest amount of uh, NGBs located there. Um, and I believe there's also still an Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid, New York. So that would be also an opportunity for you to get involved with one of the USA level athletics. Um, your other opportunity would be to apply for an internship through the USOC. So uh, if you navigate to the website um, online, they have sports medicine internship opportunities. And before, uh, they used to require that medical providers had five years of experience before applying, and they have now reduced that requirement to three years. So if you are an athletic trainer who has been practicing and certified for three years, you are at least minimally eligible to apply for that internship. Other NGBs uh, don't necessarily have that requirement. Um, again, each one is kind of varied and, and specific. So if you're not regionally located to one of those NGBs, I'd say see if you can go through the internship route uh, at the Olympic Training Centers. And um, I think the other opportunities out there are just for you to contact local organizations to see what potential volunteer opportunities are available. I do know that some um, elite like lacrosse or rugby or soccer teams will do international trips. Um, and that would be an opportunity for you to, to solicit your services and just say, you know, hey, if you're willing to uh, bring me along, uh, pay for the, the expense of the travel, um, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and bring my kit and be your medical provider. And especially in the case of minors, you also count as an additional uh, supervisor. So that's something that, that you can kind of solicit too. I've shared here with you what uh, my recommendations are in terms of traveling, but I'm also really interested in hearing what your opinions are. So um, if you could use the hashtag ATHack, so that's A-T-H-A-C-K for this podcast, I would love to see what everybody else is doing to prepare themselves for travel or what they do once they arrive in a traveling situation um, or things that they do uh, when they come back um, and also maybe other ways that you've gotten involved with traveling opportunities or recommendations that you can give for others to get involved in traveling opportunities. Thank you for listening today. As always, you can find us on our social media Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Advantage. And you can hashtag us Q and AT for any questions that you have about today's podcast. Or again, remember to use that hashtag AT hack. On our next podcast, we will be doing a case study where we speak to an athletic trainer who worked with a traveling drum and bugle corps over this last summer. Thank you again to Mr. Logistics who created the sound that you've heard here, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Thanks.